thank you all for braving the heat and being here this Sunday morning. Um, as we are worshiping and singing, um, I was just thinking that there's no other place I'd rather be. Whereas before, I was really hot and kind of in a bad mood. So thank you to our worship leader for changing the spirit in this room and reminding us of the importance of why we're here. Um, so this morning, we're going to be talking about one of the most famous Old Testament passages, and that's the story of Moses and the burning bush. And we're going to explore how this... Thank you, Mark. <laughs> oh, testing. Mic check. Can everyone hear me? Okay. Um, so we're going to talk about Moses and the burning bush and how this story, this ancient story, can actually really help us as we start the fall and as we go back to our really busy and hectic routines. Um, so I just, as always, encourage you to be open to this story and to hear from God in a fresh way this morning. And so to start us off, I want to tell you about a really special spiritual discipline that I discovered um, in the past several months. So... I don't know if any of you can guess what it is. Travis and Val can <laughs> The special spiritual discipline that I've is hammocking. Um, so my twin sister, um, this past Christmas, she got me a hammock for Christmas, and I have been using it so much ever since. So a hammock at the beach, near my house, while camping, um, I've been everywhere. And the reason that I say it's a spiritual is because it to God um, and helps me slow down. And so as I'm lying in my hammock looking at the trees, I'm able to notice all the different shades of leaves, um, able to hear the birds singing in the trees and identify um, and I think I might use the mic. Woohoo! Thank you, Corey. Woohoo! Um, so basically, hammocking has been a really unique and kind of odd way um, for me to open up to God in a really fresh and new way. Um, so I'm curious if. Maybe hammocking's not your thing. If there's something that really allows you to kind of quiet yourself down and to maybe be more open to the ordinary miracles um, that God has all around us. So maybe for some of you that's cooking or like for Glenn, maybe that's gardening or walking or walking your dog. I just wonder um, what it is for you that helps you slow down and open up um, to God's ordinary miracles. Because um, in our passage today, we're going to talk about reverence and awe and how Moses, he was one who paid attention to God and who paid attention to something he noticed in, in, his, in his environment that he very well um, could have looked over. And so Barbara Brown Taylor, she's a former Episcopal priest and author, defines what reverence is for us. So reverence means to stand in awe of something. Reverence requires a certain pace. It requires a willingness to take detours, even side trips, which are not part of the original plan. 
The practice of paying attention is as simple as looking twice at people and things you might just as easily ignore. To see takes time, like having a friend takes time. It is as simple as turning off the television to learn the song of a single bird. Um, so I love that description. Turning off the TV to learn a song of a single bird is um, what it means to have reverence and to have awe. And then David has the next quote for us from Gerard Manley Hopkins. I'm actually gonna quote a lot of poets today uh, because poets and artists can really help us tune in and notice things um, better than most people. So this poet, I love one of his lines in the poem, in his poem, and it's right up there, and it's, the world is charged with the grandeur of God. The world is charged with the grandeur of God. And so I don't know about all of you, but if the world is charged with God's grandeur, I don't want to miss out on glimpses of God's goodness all around me. Um, I want to be open and I want to pay attention. And in our passage today, we see that Moses' capacity to slow down and to pay attention um, to his curiosity and wonder, he doesn't squelch it, but he leans into it and it draws him out, that this actually leads him into a conversation with God and the burning bush that changes his life forever and changes the lives of the Israelite people forever. And that's all because he tuned in um, to his curiosity and wonder. So I invite you to please join me in prayer as we prepare our hearts to receive God's word. And God's word we're going to read today is from Exodus chapter 3, verses 1 through 12. God, we thank you that you are an intimate and present God, that you are constantly inviting us and calling out to us through ordinary things in creation. God, would you open our eyes this week to see your calling and your invitation for us Lord, would we remember that you see us and that you long to talk with us and to call us into greater things, God. So open our hearts and our eyes to your invitations and to your goodness and to your presence all around us, even in ordinary things. And so we pray this in your powerful and kind name, Jesus. Amen. So again, we're going to be reading from Exodus chapter 3, verses 1 through 12. Moses was keeping the flock of his father-in-law Jethro, the priest of Midian. He led his flock beyond the wilderness and came to Mount Horeb, the mountain of God. There the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a flame of fire out of a bush. He looked and the bush was blazing, yet it was not consumed. Then Moses said, I must turn aside and look at this great sight and see why the bush is not burned up. When the Lord saw that he had turned aside to see, God called to him out of the bush, Moses, Moses, and he said, here I am. Then he said, come no closer, remove the sandals from your feet, for the place on which you are standing is holy ground. He said further, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. And Moses hid his face, for he was afraid to look at God. Then the Lord said, I have observed the misery of my people who are in Egypt. I have heard their cry on account of their taskmasters. Indeed, I know their sufferings. 
and I have come down to deliver them from the Egyptians and to bring them up out of that land to a good and spacious land, to a land flowing with milk and honey, to the country of the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Amorites, the Perizzites, the Hivites, and the Jebusites. The cry of the Israelites has now come to me. I have also seen how the Egyptians oppress them. Now go, I am sending you to Pharaoh to bring my people, the Israelites, out of Egypt. But Moses said to God, who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and bring the Israelites out of Egypt? God said, I will be with you, and this shall be the sign for you that it is I who sent you. When you have brought the people out of Egypt, you shall serve God on this mountain. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. So we're only going to scratch a surface of this passage, and we're really going to focus on the beginning of this passage. Um, but this is kind of the climax of the Old Testament, where God comes down and meets Moses in a burning bush um, and calls him to res rescue the Israelite people from oppression. And so our text begins with Moses um, as a shepherd watching over his father-in-law's sheep. And I'm assuming he was out that day and maybe went, it says he went beyond the wilderness. So maybe he was in a new spot for the first time. Um, but it was just kind of Moses going around doing business as usual, maybe a normal work day. Um, and this is when Moses is out there just doing his thing. And then suddenly, out of the corner of his eye maybe, he spots something bright red, and it's flaming and flickering, and it's a bush, and it's burning, and he smells the smoke, and he sees the flames all around, but this bush is not consumed. So I'm assuming his first thought was something like, weird, that's weird. Um, but as a shepherd, he was probably used to seeing bushes everywhere, and maybe even bushes on fire due to various reasons. Um, so maybe he thought to himself, maybe it was lightning, or my eyes are playing tricks on me, or someone's playing a practical joke. Um, who knows what he could have been thinking. But this bush that could seem potentially a little bit ordinary sparks his curiosity enough that he's drawn in um, to take a second look. And so the text tells us in verse 3 that something compels Moses to turn aside. So Moses says, I must turn aside and look at this great sight and see why the bush is not burned up. And so Moses leaves the sheep behind and whatever else he was doing to honor his curiosity and to investigate and inspect um, this odd bush further. And so contrary to Moses, I don't know about you guys, but when I have a task I'm doing, when I'm in work mode, when I'm in a rush, um, I might like write something down on my notes app on my phone, but I'm not going to stop in the middle of what I'm doing to kind of like check something out. I'm going to be like, okay, I'll go back to that later. But then imagine the consequences for Moses' life and for Israel if he just wrote down like, hey, look at that bush later, like go check it out tomorrow. Um, that would change, yeah, that would have changed everything. Um, and as I was doing research for this sermon, I came across a really interesting um, social experiment that the Washington Post did. It was kind of a long time ago, about 15 years ago. But they had one of the best violinists in the world um, play his like 
three and a half million dollar violin at a DC um, metro station. And so they had him play for 45 minutes to see what would happen, to see if people would notice or stop. And so they calculated that there was about 1,100 people that walked through the station and only six people stopped and like watched for a little bit. And then some, one of those people was a three-year-old and so he kept trying to look and turn and try to get his parent to come with him. But all the parents, of course, I would have been like this too. We're like, come on kid, like let's go. Um, but so it was crazy because two days earlier he was playing for a sold out show in Boston um, where tickets are super expensive. Yet in this metro station when people are busy, they're on their way to something, no one really stopped, no one really cared. And when he stopped playing, there was no applause, no one noticed. Um, and so I was just thinking about that story and thinking about what I would have done. And knowing me, I probably would have been late for the next Metro stop. So I'm sure I would have just motored right on past as well um, to get to where I needed to go. But I was just thinking that because I'm so in a rush and because, um, yeah, that's just kind of how we operate in our culture. It's just interesting to think about what we miss out on, about all the ordinary miracles in front of us, all the things God might be showing us um, that we can miss. And so I'm not saying you guys are missing that. I'm just saying this is what I miss. And so this passage was really convicting for me um, as I really studied it this week. Um, Barbara Brown Taylor, I'm going to quote her again. And she says that what makes Moses Moses is his ability to turn aside and pay attention and to let his curiosity and awe lead him. And so if he had decided to come back another day or ignore the burning bush, um, she says he would not have been Moses. He would just have been a guy who got away with murder without discovering what else his life might have been about. So in our text, um, as we continue on, we find that it's only when Moses decides to pay attention, to stop, and to turn aside and notice what's going on with this bush thing, that that's when God appears, and that's when God calls out to him. So verse 4 says, when the Lord saw that he had turned aside to see, God called to him out of the bush, Moses, Moses. And then Moses, I'm assuming if I was Moses, I'd be like, oh, here I am but we're not sure exactly the intonation that Moses used. Um, but so we see as Moses notices and allows himself to be drawn into this bush that's ordinary yet miraculous at the same time, um, his split second decision to stop and to see, that's what allows him to have this powerful conversation with God that eventually um, changes his life forever. And next in the text, um, it's one of my favorite images in the Bible, but it's where the holiness of God is fully on display um, because God is humble in that he comes in a, in a bush and speaks to Moses out of an ordinary bush, yet God is also so holy and so other and so separate, and he tells Moses um, to take his shoes off because wherever God's presence is, there is holy ground. Um, and so Moses not only takes his shoes off, but Moses also can sense this terrifying, awesome, astonishing presence of God. And so Moses covers his face. And we learn more about God as God um, has caught Moses' attention. And now God can talk to him and share with him what's going on. And so God identifies himself as 
God, the God of Moses' father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. And then I'm sure Moses is starting to remember all the stories maybe he heard as a kid about the God of his ancestors. And so as Moses um, continues to hide his face and cower in the presence of God, God begins to explain in great detail that he is a compassionate God, that he is a present God, that he is an active God. We see that God hears, knows, and responds to the Israelite cries. God is intimate and active, and he's not afraid to enter the mess of his people. And he literally says, I will go down to the Israelites to rescue them. God is willing to get messy, to get dirty, in order to save and rescue his chosen people. And he starts um, by inhabiting an ordinary bush so he can talk and recruit Moses for this plan. It's good news for us as we relate to God today that God's holiness doesn't stop a conversation with Moses um, because we quickly see that Moses becomes way more comfortable with God because in the next several chapters, Moses, rightfully so, asks God question after question about how this is going to work. What are the details, God? This is a really crazy plan. Like, what's going to go on? Um, and if I was Moses, I don't know if I'd be very satisfied with God's response. Um, but God doesn't necessarily give him all the details. All God promises is that God will be with him. That God will be with him. So God assures Moses in the face of everything um, that he will be with him. So God shows us in this passage that God is a relational God. God is a close God. And God wants to use the ordinary things in our lives to catch our attention so that God can talk with us and so that God can call us into something greater. So I want us to imagine for a second if things had been different in this story. If Moses had gone on his merry way, too busy shepherding his fathers and lost sheep, that day, if he had ignored um, kind of that glimmer of wonder he had about the bush, if he was too busy to turn aside, what would have happened? I feel like he wouldn't have been able to receive God's presence, and he wouldn't be launched into his powerful calling. He essentially wouldn't have been Moses. So we're not Moses, but what about us? Do we ever think about, are we confident that like Moses, we would have definitely stopped and turned aside for that burning bush? Or do we wonder, has God maybe put things in our path, really wanting us to pay attention, and maybe we've walked right on by, like with the violinist in the metro station? Maybe we stay busy and distracted and are unwilling to pay attention because we're afraid of what God in a burning bush might say to us, or we're afraid of a closer relationship with God because other people have hurt us. God's presence in a burning bush might be too loving, too intimate, too demanding for us to want to stop on a normal weekday and look aside and tap into our wonder and our curiosity. To lean into a real and vulnerable relationship with a living God is a risky thing, as Moses quickly finds out. I'm going to quote one more poet today, um, and her name is Elizabeth Browning Taylor. And you guys might have heard um, this quote before, 
but I think it really speaks um, to what I'm talking about this morning. So she says, earth is crammed with heaven and every common bush afire with God. But only he who sees takes off his shoes. The rest sit around it and pluck blackberries. So our story for today invites us, like Moses, to stop what we're doing, to pay attention to ordinary miracles, and to take off our shoes, because in God's presence is holy ground. And our story reminds us of the importance of letting our agendas go sometimes, of turning aside, letting ourselves be derailed by God, and to look for God in the ordinary and the not-so-ordinary moments. And to trust that, like in this passage, we have a God who sees and knows and hears the sufferings of his people and longs to be in a close, intimate relationship with them, longs to include them in his plans and to partner with them um, for the deliverance and liberation of his people. Growing up, um, I think there'll be a picture of them soon, but my grandparents, um, they're no longer with us, but they um, modeled, there they are, or there they are. <laughs> um, they modeled um, this open and attentive posture to God. So that's their backyard right there. And so every time my twin sister and I would come over, we would have the breakfast club. And so we would have fresh squeezed orange juice from the oranges from their orange tree. And we would have waffles and we would sit outside. And my grandpa was kind of a zany guy but he would, he was just all about on wonder. So he would like pick a flower and he'd be like, Michelle and Nikki, that's my sister's name. Like, look at this flower, it's astonishing. Like, this is an ordinary miracle. And he would literally use that phrase, ordinary miracle. Um, and so that's where I got that phrase from. But he would always say like, and here we sit and just would marvel at the orange trees, at the birds or the plants. Um, and even though I was a kid, I loved it because I didn't need to be entertained or to learn more facts about God, but I was just able through the modeling of my grandpa to slow down and to notice and savor um, the ordinary miracles around me. Um, and so even today, sometimes when I pray, um, I imagine their backyard and I imagine um, kind of that peace and that wonder and that awe and that reverence that I felt and it helps me um, yeah, just remember those feelings and that approach to God. And then one of his favorite quotes, I think I've talked about it before up here, but is by Martin Luther, and it's, if you could understand a single grain of wheat, you would die of wonder. Um, and I just love that, that our world, God has filled it with such beautiful things, things that we can easily walk past, but if we take a minute to stop and to pay attention and to let ourselves be drawn in by our curiosity, um, by these glimmering things. I think God really wants to use those to speak to us and to um, help us notice him and to remind us of his goodness and his presence with us. Um, so in my experience and in Moses' experience, um, it seems like God is longing to connect with us. He's longing to invite us. He's constantly um, putting forth his love towards us. And I think he just wants us to notice he just wants us to open up our eyes, to pay attention, um, and to even expect that he's going to be reaching out. He's going to be inviting us into a relationship with him. And so as we enter um, 
soon into a time of communion. I just encourage you during communion and this final song to reflect um, on ways that God has tried to get your attention. Because um, if you think back, I'm sure you can think of quite a few ways and what he did, who he used, how he did it. And then think about your response. Um, were you resistant? Were you excited? Were you both? Um, and then as you pray, be open to what God might want to draw your attention to this week. And what's a way, like hammocking, um, that you could slow down and just be more able to have capacity for that awe and wonder um, and to remember that it is true that the world is charged um, with the grandeur of God, that God's goodness is everywhere if we're willing to look. And as we look, that God wants to meet us there and to invite us into his incredible purposes. Um, so that's the good news from our text this morning. So I invite everyone to please stand for the blessing. So in the name of God the Father, who longs to be with his people so much that he came um, to Moses in a burning bush. And in the name of his son, Jesus, who longs to be with his people so much that he came to us as a baby boy. And in the name of the Holy Spirit, who is constantly inviting us to remember God's presence with us, go forth this week and be like Moses, stopping and paying attention noticing the ordinary miracles God is putting in your midst. So go in peace, living spring, and have a great week.